Welcome to the Off Duty On Duty Podcast. I'm your host, Brian. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast is part of the Concealed Carry Podcast Network, along with Rob Beckman and Riley Bowman, Matt Marister, all those guys, Firearms Trainers Podcast, and the ConcealedCarry.com Podcast. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners, and we take it from the perspective of cops and concealed carriers. Today, I'm joined by Steve Moses and Guy Schnitzler from Palisade Training Group, also a fellow Rangemaster certified instructors. We're going to talk about the virtues of a small or compact pistol and revolver, and we're going to talk about it from the uh, plainclothes cop, uh, the armed citizen, and the uh, like the backup gun roll. We're going to talk about all that good stuff. But first, a word from our sponsors. Title sponsor of the podcast this week is Mantis X. Check them out at Mantis X. It's a great tool for dry practice or live fire uh, with their app. Combined with their mobile app, uh, it's just a fantastic tool to uh, kind of self-coach and identify uh, how you can improve on your own. Also, EDC Belt Company, the foundation belt. <sighs> Every podcast, man, it's always there. Uh, and uh, honorary sponsors this week is Palisade Training Group. Uh, the uh, Palisade Training Group, founded by Steve Moses and uh, a little network of instructors like uh, Hanny McMood and Guy Schnitzler and, and Alan McBee. So without further ado, let's bring in our guest. Well, welcome back, Steve, and first-time guest, first time on the podcast, 98 episodes later, is my buddy Guy Schnitzler, who, uh, so welcome, welcome to uh, your inaugural guest spot. Um, oh, thank you. Where's Haney? Isn't this his show? Oh, God, there it is again. What, 50 episodes <laughs> in a row, man. Uh, <laughs> no, Haney. Hanny is actually back uh, toting a badge and a gun, so his schedule has been a bit, uh, how to say, erratic. And uh, I talked to him last he night. He's spending some time with uh, with his kiddo on his days off. So good, good. he's good happy him. as a clam. Yep, mm-hmm. and uh, so good on Hanny. Uh, thanks for letting me host the show. <laughs> <laughs> guest host Brian Eastridge. <laughs> yeah, so, so we were talking offline, and we, you know, we we managed to find a couple of rabbit holes there. But uh, I, I was on a podcast last night, and I was telling people we're kind of in the golden age of semi-auto pistols and even revolvers now. And I'm talking short-barreled stuff. And Steve, you you pitched the the idea for the virtues of a small semi-automatic or revolver for carry. So I'm going to turn that piece over to you. So give me your thoughts on it. Well, one of the reasons I pitched this to you is that I recently had uh, back surgery. I had a uh, L3, L4 lumbar fusion with instrumentation on December 7th. And uh, for nearly 90 days, I have been walking around with a back brace on. And just coincidentally, a uh, guy kind of beat me to getting out of the chute. He had back surgery uh, yeah. last year, and he was very much in the same boat. Well, well I'm no less concerned about uh, my personal safety. 
when I'm injured or hindered in any way from carrying my regular gear. And so I thought, okay, I need to figure out a system so that regardless of what I wear or whether I've got this back brace on, I can still get access to a, a an effective defensive handgun relatively quick. Uh, for me, uh, there is a place for uh, an LCR or 442 in a pocket holster. By the same token, I don't want to find myself in a position where I allowed some cretin to sneak up on me, and all of a sudden I feel like, okay, I may need to get to a gun pretty quick, and I'm not going to be able to do that. Well, so I kind of played around with it. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Steve, it seems like the last time you were on the podcast, you had had a wrist surgery, and we're talking about uh, the virtues of one-handed shooting. So, uh, Well, I was pretty much a one-handed <laughs> shooter there for, for a longer time period than I wanted to be. So, yeah, I tell you what, I'm kind of paying for some of the sins uh, that I have committed in my younger life and my, my enthusiasm for all things uh, martial uh, sustained a number of injuries. I mean, I've been injured by motorcycles and horses and football and, you know, broken bones. Uh, actually damaged my back doing Taekwondo. Uh, rotator cuff injuries, just stuff like that. Well, it's kind of creeping up on me. And so uh, I'm having to do a lot of uh, work on the suspension in order to, you know, get another 20,000 miles out of me. Yeah. And, I've, I've started to have a number of injuries that have started to haunt me here in the last about a year and a half and, uh, you know, mobility stuff and, and range of motion stuff. And it has really changed my approach to how I carry a gun. And that's one of the reasons I've kind of had this now again, uh, recurring love affair with revolvers because, they're easy to slip in a pocket in a pocket holster and and never be uh, outgunned or not outgunned but but undergunned so to speak um and it's it's a pretty let's see how to say it it's a it it's a pretty uh serious conversation you have with yourself when you realize that your skill sets are high but your inability to move or even run away from a conflict, uh, oh, yeah. it, it, it really kind of gets your attention, especially if you're, you're dialed into, uh, you know, just being your own first responder. Right. And thinking, I don't want to be a victim here. Um, and then having, having mother nature kind of hand you a crap sandwich on, on an injury. It, it really changes your perspective about it. So guy, what's your thoughts on it? Oh, most definitely. Um, Steve uh, mentioned earlier, I had back surgery last June, uh, herniated disc at L4, L5, and then stenosis from L1 to S1. Well, <clears throat> I have like no um, ankle mobility in my right ankle and no strength in it. Uh, so what well, we're talking about nine months ago, I had the surgery. So a couple weeks ago, well, about a month ago, I decided, let me try to jog. And I started, made about 10 yards and stopped. I'm like, man, I'm like a car with a flat tire. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? So I tried to run another 10 yards. And what I noticed is my ball of the foot would come down and it would go straight to the ground. Had no uh, muscle strength springiness in there. So it's like, yep, running's done for me. So if I get into any kind of altercation, I can't do the standard, oh, just run away. Um 
you know, 53 injuries. So yeah, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to run. Uh, best thing I can do is pay attention and see the problem coming and maybe I can, you know, get out of there at a fast walk, but I'm not going to be able to outrun anybody. Um, so I agree. So, well, and to add something there, Brian, is that, you know, if I'm with my wife, she certainly isn't going to be able to run. If I'm with my granddaughters, can't leave them. So I may very well just have to stay in that position. I may not even be able to get away at a fast walk, a brisk, brisk walk, simply because I'm with someone else that I need to uh, take care of. Yeah. So where does a small frame auto fit into that? Uh, we'll call it your personal defense plan. Like you're part of your, uh, your daily goings on. Where does the where does a small auto and give me an example of like how you, where you would carry it and what even down to brand model of pistol that you would carry? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I go back and forth, uh, between, uh, two small handguns. Uh, it's primarily a Glock 43 X, uh, with a 407 K and a, a Glock 42. As a matter of fact, the Glock 42 380 is what I have on right now on my person. Uh, one of the reasons I like that is that it just disappears under a T-shirt. And uh, Federal recently came out with, I believe it's called the HST Deep, which is a phenomenally uh, well-performing 380 round that equals the performance of uh, a lot of really quality guns in uh, ballistic gel and covered ballistic gel. We're talking about penetration 12 to 13 inches and 1.5 times uh, the expansion. So you've got some loads right now that are going to be a whole lot more effective than maybe just plain old 380 ball or some of the other stuff that for the most part, kind of performs like 380 ball. I think Chuck Haggard, much of his experience is that in ballistic gelatin, a lot of these 380 rounds and even 38 special rounds uh, really don't expand. They don't perform that well. Uh, the cool thing about the Glock 42, and I just went ahead and chose a 42 because I'm very familiar with the uh, that platform, is the gun itself is very shootable. I mean, I can, if I want to just, you know, go with, say, three-quarter of a second splits, you know, I can pretty quickly put six rounds in a five-inch circle at 10 yards. Not that much slower than what I can with a larger pistol. Uh, holds about six rounds, uh, you know, carry it with a couple extra magazines if you feel like you need more. Uh, but the cool thing about that, I can wear that to the gym with a T-shirt over it, and nobody ever knows. I am one of those people uh, that I'm, I'm, if you see me clothed, I'm armed. Uh, reason for that is I have had a uh, person break in my house or my apartment, rather, uh, confronted him, took him at gunpoint. And I kind of realized that, oh, man, people can get in your house. They can get out of there kind of surprisingly. And uh, I just don't want to be that anomaly. So for me, uh, a Glock 42 supplemented by, for me, a, a Glock 43X. Uh, I think the Glock 42 has a barrel length of about 3.25 inches. The Glock 43X, I think, is about 4.5 inches, 4.51 inches. And I've recently picked up a Shield Plus with a 3-inch barrel. 
And uh, one of the reasons I've done that is that uh, my company, guys, part of it, Palisade Training Group, uh, we're doing doing more and more classes in which we have female students. And female students have a much more difficult time dressing around the gun Mm-hmm. than uh, than we do, but they've got the same need to defend themselves. And if anything, uh, they're probably even more vulnerable than we are just simply because of the size disparity. Yeah. And uh, what we like to do is we like to have some guns out there that when a female shows up with a gun that her husband picked for, and by God, it's a nine millimeter with a five inch barrel and plus P ammo, and you can do it, baby, and she really can't. Uh, you hand her something like that, let her have some success, and uh, it's pretty cool seeing that light go on. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to uh, bring Guy in, other than he's very knowledgeable on everything you know that we're doing, is uh, I'll let you elaborate, Guy, on your past experience. But Guy is what you would call truly an armed professional in which – Part of his job, or big part of his job, involves carrying a gun that he can get to very quick, very quickly in cramped quarters. So, Guy, could you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, just so everybody knows, I am currently a federal air marshal. I'm in year 21. Uh, this is year 30 in law enforcement total with 10 years with uh, Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department. So, uh, last 20 years, it was, well, 18 years we carried six two two nines. And then we transitioned over to Glock 19s. But what I've been playing with lately for my off-duty gun was uh, the SIG 365XL running a 507K. And I also put the Wilson Combat Grip Module on there because it gives me a better grip versus the factory. And with that, it has a 3.7-inch barrel length on it, which is pretty short, which allows me from a seated position to draw, especially from appendix. You can get, I can get the pistol out quicker easier maybe a better word instead of quicker easier because of the shorter barrel versus the the standard what is it fours what's 4.2 yeah. 4.19 somewhere there you know happening it shorter in the barrel you know it doesn't seem like it's bigger that difference but as far as carrying being able to get out of the uh out of my uh poster carrying appendix and seated yeah it's pretty easy and plus it gives me a full-size grip so i can you know get my hands well full size for me i got kind of small hands fingers but i get that grip and you know i'm good to go and then if it ends up into a tangle or um we end up in entangled fight which on airplane that's a good possibility that may be where you're started from is starting off seated and being assaulted and having to fight your way out but get in a good position too even if they get on them the slide and grip i have more leverage than they have since it's short, the slide shorter than the grip and also, if I really want to um, make it shorter, I just get a th- the standard 365 slide and barrel put on top there and go from 3.7 to 3.1. Now, I still have more leverage than they do, but I still have a full size, you know, coming from a 229, going to something as small as the 365 with the same amount of rounds, 13 rounds. It's like, hmm, I like this. <laughs> and also by the point I don't want to carry a full size gun much anymore. <laughs> so the smaller is better and and you know, being able to draw from you know odd or strange or convoluted positions and be able to get a gun out that's shorter, it has its benefits. Yeah, the bit the big commonality I'm hearing is uh we're in the golden age of options when it comes to mm-hmm. smaller guns and you know 
thankfully, uh, certain calibers kind of fell by the wayside and it, it has now driven the nine millimeter ammunition development and even 380 ammunition development. Um, yeah, I can remember 10 years ago when the Ruger LCP came out in 380, there was almost no options for ammunition out there. And the options you had varied in quality and performance pretty drastically. And, uh, you know, now we have the com- the companies that produce this stuff actually putting the effort into the stuff people want to carry. So, yeah, definitely a a lot of options out there. And I tend to, for smaller guns, I always kind of default back to a J-frame or a Ruger LCR. And my LCR is sitting over there now with the new Hogue Bantam grips that are, they're, they're like grips, only smaller. So, so it's a bit challenging to shoot, but, uh, there again, it's not really a go to get into a fight gun. It's a get out of a fight gun. And, and, uh, I had never spent much time exploring the smaller options out there. I had a 365 for a while and and some other things, but, uh, but now as I kind of transition from like armed professional to normal earth person, there's a lot more appeal in carrying something that I don't have to necessarily dress around. It just kind of fits into my daily wardrobe or, uh, my daily, uh, fashion, I guess you could say, which, uh, if I moved to where I wanted to would be board shorts and flip flops. But, uh, but, but there again, doing that and staying armed and, uh, everybody's, here's mutual bud daryl bulky is doing a lot of good work with subcaliber stuff right now as well so um you know 10 15 years ago that wasn't the case and no and the uh revolver thing i mean your options were fairly limited your semi-autos the options were very very limited for a backup type gun um when i came into law enforcement people were carrying glock 26s on their ankle and you can spot most of them because they're dragging their left leg behind them now. You know, it's <laughs> replacement. Yeah, me, me included, and I am not a hundred percent certain that carrying a steel frame gun on my ankle for some time didn't didn't contribute to my current uh, medical status. So, so either way, but luckily I have uh, you know Steve is a great resource for how to carry when you're injured. Uh, <laughs> I, we've known each other about six, seven years, and uh, and yeah. it seems like you've been in a, in a various various states of repair and challenge with how you carry and how you dress around, uh, you know, an injury or 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 some type of anomaly like that. So, yeah, it's been a challenge, but it's also been a learning experience. Uh, one of the other things that Guy and I were talking about with a short barreled revolver or pistol is also the ease at which you can covertly access it without drawing undue attention. I mean, basically you can get that gun out without just an exaggerated chicken winging, you know, even slow, uh, because stuff like that, it it catches people's eyes. Uh, Another thing that I have come, and I've basically, I've run this 43X now pretty hard for about six months, uh, getting to be where I feel pretty comfortable with it, uh, is that my first shot with my 43X is going to be every bit as quick and accurate as my first shot with a 19 or a 17. 
Now, where I kind of get behind the big boys is when it comes to shooting splits. I can shoot splits faster with a heavier gun with less muzzle recoil. But then when you're talking about, okay, uh, like maybe a .25 versus maybe a .4, the reality of it is, is that I really don't want to shoot that fast in a fluid situation in which uh, people may be moving or the circumstances change and I need to stop shooting immediately, which means, okay, for me, I probably need a half second between shots to see what took place, process it, and then act upon it. So the ability to get out there and shoot, you know, a quarter second splits is probably not going to be a a good benefit. Uh, I don't think I'm really going to benefit that. And uh, what force on force that I have done, uh, pretty much, you know, you're not able to just sit there and put two rounds right on top of each other on another living human being. They're not going to be in the same place twice. There's a certain amount of tracking that uh, goes on. And actually, I believe it was last year, John Holshen taught a really good block on uh, shooting animated targets in which he explained to us the need to be able to move our sights and account for movement on part of the uh, the person that may be trying to kill us at that time in order to make good hits. As a matter of fact, let me just go ahead and throw this out right now. Uh, I'm bringing John Hulshen in to the uh, CCW Safe FTO 5.0 range. Okay. Uh, that's going to be in early June to teach his applied handgun fundamentals. And knowing John, uh, a good portion of that course is going to be dealing probably with uh, animated targets. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of reel back onto uh, split times, the older I've gotten, the the less important they are to me, uh, especially carrying a gun in the continental United States. Uh, you know, we got to account for every single round fired and every single round fired has to be, has to have a, uh, constitutional and statutory exemption attached to it. Right. So the faster we run that, the less time that we're able to process, whether this is legal, justified, moral, ethical, right. Mm -hmm. And the best shooters in the world that I've ever seen operationally shoot at about a half second shot to shot and shoot with 100% accuracy all the time. So that when they end up in the quasi adrenaline dump, stress high stress operational situation it may increase their split times may increase a bit and their accuracy may degrade a small amount but not so much that they miss completely on as part of normal regularity right that's that's just not a thing for those those types of, of folks so um and again hearkening back to uh one mr bulky that the the guys that he's spent a lot of time with that were doing that regularly, it was about a half second shot to shot with about a one and a quarter draw or gun in the hand presentation somewhere around a second. So, so I think the virtues of chasing like sub quarter second splits are, I, I, I think that kind of falls into the competition realm a little bit more than it does the defensive realm, but that's just one man's opinion. 
Well, well, as much as, as much as anything, you know, my, my point is, I think, Ben, if you can shoot, you know, sub 0.25 splits, you know, good work on it and everything. But understand that probably if you try to shoot that fast in a lethal force encounter, especially if you're out in an area where there's other people around or you're in a house and there's sheetrock walls and people in the other rooms, that is something that could cause you an issue. And the fact that you may not be able to do that shoot those sub quarter second splits with a 365 or 43 or 42 or LCR or whatever, probably it's not going to be a hindrance to you. The fact that you need to take a little bit more time to recover and get that shot off and process what's going on. uh, I don't think it's probably going to have a, a, let's just say a significant impact on the outcome of a confrontation with another person. Guy, you had something. Go ahead. Yeah, talking about splits, our schoolhouse is um, when they come in and firearms, they're teaching our recruits, our applicants to run at 0.5 splits, half second splits. And then one other thing they do is they get to shoot the triple nickel, which was founded by some of our guys early on. And um, they're out there with teaching them half second splits. They got there and they're burning them down. They're burning down the triple nickel. And I mean, and originally some of the, when this started up and they started teaching this way at the academy several years ago, a couple of the original guys that came up with the triple, triple nickel called up to the schoolhouse and goes, what are y'all doing? Are y'all just handing coins out? Because they were just racking them up. But it was the way they were teaching them what they were teaching them. So when it came to speed, it was there on the, on the splits, even though they were taught one second or half second splits, which for, the way we were teaching, it would be one front sight is one second, then one front was a half second. So we go out there and, and you got them counting one front, two front, three front. And they're just, and, you know, that's getting everything done. And then when it comes time to really run a gun, they're able to. And it just comes naturally. They're hitting the 0. 0.25, 0. 0.3 splits and still being able to hit that five second um, triple nickel with all shots in. Yeah, I have personally never run that exercise, um, at least under the conditions prescribed by uh, Kelly Venden and those guys that, mm-hmm. that kind of founded that. Right. Uh, one of the things I I will absolutely give credence to is is uh, every one of the FAMS guys that I've ever been around, firearms training was pretty top-notch and, and very regimented and real life applicable as opposed to, well, let's see if we can go from an 18 split to a 16. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just, that didn't seem to be a big priority there. It was uh really, really heavily accuracy based. And I, and I, I I've grown to appreciate that the older I've gotten, uh, right. especially, you know, when we see, <laughs> we see video body camera videos of officer involved shootings that, that are just, panic and beat a trigger to pieces it's 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 refreshing to see that there are people that actually train uh in a in a really effective manner so so what are some other virtues guy i'll start with you what are some other virtues of let's go to revolvers mm-hmm. let's just kind of pivot to revolvers tell me your well, thoughts revolvers. on that yeah revolvers cool thing about revolvers if you can you can find a grip that fits your hand yeah, let's start there. That's the important thing, right? Grip. If we can get a good solid grip on the gun, get a full grip or whatever. Um, you know, mentioned DB earlier. Um, Daryl, uh, I think when it was 18, I did the, my first revolver roundup in one of the guns. Um, I think it was a, like a two-inch model, 10 Smith & Wesson. 
with a full, you know, full grip when we got from one of the SAS guys there in LAPD. And, you know, for an entangled gun, entangled fighting gun, that's, you know, that's, you know, that grip with the grip that fits your hand, you know, and then that short barrel and short frame and all that. I've got all the leverage. If someone grabs a hold of it in a, in a foot or fouled up tangled, no, I've got, I'm in a better position to keep the gun and get it back versus having a longer barrel where they can apply more leverage. So that's one of the things. Also, you know, if you're drawing from the holster, you know, every little bit coming out for presentation is going to add on to your, or um, decrease your speed. So I think they're, you know, good for entangled stuff or drawing and being slightly faster. Now are we talking a thousandth of a second, two thousandths? I don't know, but they're going to be faster just because you've got less to draw out. Um, so, yeah, my, my, my big experience in the past being, you know, in the armed professional role was, the snub being a very backup, uh, pardon the phrase, ear, nose, and throat gun. Uh, right. But it was kind of the weapon of last resort, um, especially in an entanglement. And now that I've I've kind of started toddling into normal normal life, uh, it tends to be kind of the <laughs> it kind of tends to be the normal like everyday carry gun, uh, go oh, yeah. to get the mail, go to, uh, go to the sandwich shop around the corner. And I don't want to dress around a gun or, or put it up full appendix rig on. Mm-hmm. Um, I have adopted since I went to have a suit with the bulkies. I actually picked up a Baja jacket or as Cecil Birch calls it the drug rug. And I got to tell you, that is a handy piece of equipment. When it's cool outside, throw that dude on and you've got a pocket right in the front that you can keep a hand on a revolver. So, and the revolver fits a really good role there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just my two cents on it. Steve, what do you got on, on pocket revolvers or small revolvers? Uh, Well, I like them. I have uh, two uh, 442 performance centers and a LCR 327 Federal Magnum. Uh, my issue a little bit with the uh, 442 is I still struggle with the sights. I have a tendency to want to elevate that front sight and shoot high with it, so that's a little bit of a problem. Uh, I understand that that's something that can be you know overcome with some diligent practice, which I've yet to, <laughs> I've yet to provide to those guns. The LCR is a different machine altogether. Uh, one of the things I like about it is I've got a, a the white stripe front side on it. Uh, it's got a much better notch. The cool thing about it is, is that the trigger out of the box is maybe a better trigger than my two four force two pcs have on it you know i think there's a cam or something in there uh i like that little 32 uh long uh i think it's a 98 grain wad cutter is that yeah. correct 100 it's like okay. 98 100 something like that yeah something like that something like that i've got all magtex and uh that is uh it that's an accurate gun i've let guy run it i can sh- i can shoot that gun pretty well uh, the only issue I have with it is all stems around mine not putting in the work 
to get really good with it because I know that there's things that I can do with my 42 I can't do with a revolver, you know, at maybe an extended distance. And uh, there are situations in which we might really need to engage someone at a longer distance, maybe even 10 to 15 yards. And a lot of those are going to be just when like some guy comes into a business and does the whole, he's after his estranged girlfriend or whatever, and he's shooting the place up. You know, in that particular case, uh, you know what, I may need to make a little bit longer shot. And again, being the fact that I'm in an environment where there's other people, I know I can't miss. I'm just more comfortable right now with, you know, a semi-auto. The other thing I really like about the LCR, especially in that 327 uh, ferro magnum with the uh, 32 long wad cutters, or maybe the 38 special with the same, you know, wad cutters, is that there are some people that really need a revolver and not a handgun. And uh, there's going to be those people out there. It doesn't matter how much encouragement you you give them. Uh, They're not going to put a lot of time into it. They're confused about the way how semi-automatics work. Uh, They may not be able to manipulate a semi-automatic. They tend to perhaps maybe even be more dangerous to themselves and others with a semi-automatic. And in that particular incident, uh, something like a Ruger LCR 327 with those uh, 32 long wad cutters for maybe someone that's somewhat challenged when it comes to farms, not interested in it, not willing to put a lot of time in it, but still doesn't want to be a victim. Uh, I think that might be a possible good selection for him. Guy, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just agreeing, shaking my head. Oh, okay. Uh, but you know, my little pocket gun for me anymore is a uh, uh, Smith was a forty three C, a shot twenty two. I like it. I like the sights on it. Uh, heavy double action. But I know just with a little practice coming from a pocket holster with hand on it, I, I can hit a true sub one second draw mm-hmm. and get it out. Um, I have two six forty twos. I like and like to carry two pocket wise, but. That 43C has that white uh, front sight up on it, and I can see it where I'm starting to struggle with the ramp sights on the 40 on the 642s. Even though I painted them red or orange, it's still I tend to uh, triangle them and get a high front sight. So at distance, I tend to shoot a little higher than I'm intending, and so struggling with that with agent eyes and trying to see sights on small revolvers are <laughs> rough. I feel your pain. The mm-hmm. last uh, the last year has been eye opening and really more of eye shutting because I've had a lot of trouble seeing those. Um, but I've been really focused on uh, the LCR just because the out of the box trigger is good. Yes, right. mm-hmm. but uh, in, and in the gun shop days back in the eighties, I heard a lot of people say, "Oh, well, just get your wife a J frame." And to me, that gun is a very, I compare like your, your Glock is kind of a a high school education and running a J frame proficiently is kind of a master's degree study in how to run a gun. Uh, gun. However, a medium sized K frame model 10, 12, 14, 15, all that jazz 13, uh, medium sized three inch barrel revolver with a decent action. That's a good fire extinguisher. Hey, it sits mm-hmm. in the nightstand. I don't have to do a lot to it. 
simple yep. manual of arms. Uh, but you know, our guns in that size range and that they've, they're kind of not a thing right now. Um, I know we're working with some companies to try to make that a thing again, but I've got a, uh, model 10 64. Uh, I've got a, uh, it's an old Jordanian police skinny barrel model 10. And I purchased that from Hanny along with a 64 barrel. Mm -hmm. I sent that down to Dave Fink. He cut it down to three inches, uh, tuned that thing that it, Cut the butt down. I got a round butt. It's a great gun. I love that gun, but it is too heavy and too long for me to carry. I just for you know, for six rounds and a gun that heavy, I I it's a gun that I just you know take out on occasion and I keep it in a select place in my house as a uh, a, a gun that, okay, if I need to go get another gun there, there's one that I can get to or my wife can get to me. So kind of bringing this all back to the short-barreled uh, revolvers and pistols, for me, uh, you know, a two-inch aluminum frame or a polymer frame gun is, I think, I think that's a real good selection if you're willing to put in the work to learn how to run that. And I know that there tends to be trends and fads. And right now, one of them is back with the, uh, you know, the sub noir J frames and everything. Uh, the only thing that I would, you know, kind of caution people is, Hey, don't go buy that gun, run six rounds through it, and then carry it around and pronounce yourself good to go. Because a mistake on your part, could be so devastating and uh if you miss the target and that bullet strikes someone else uh that is something that will affect you for the rest of your life and even more so um you yourself may be injured or killed as a result of not being able to fight back effectively so if you want to get one, do get it. But, you know, please be committed to the fact that uh, you need to go ahead and put the work in before you'll be able to run that thing well. Yeah. So, Guy, you talked about entanglements. And mm -hmm. uh, you're one of my go-to guys if I have a question about entanglements. So, um, tell me about the benefits of a revolver in an entanglement. Ooh. Um, especially a short barrel revolver with a full grip. Like I said earlier, that gives me a lot of leverage on that grip, a lot of control. If I make a, a poor timing decision and draw where it's now our gun, <laughs> I'm fighting over the gun. You know, having a full grip short barrel will give me a lot of advantages to get it back and make it my gun and then take care of the problem. But again, also, if I'm drawing in an entanglement, I got control of the person. It's still a it's still a shooting solution at this point. Yeah, I'm justified in shooting, then controlling that person and being able to draw a revolver, even of the small uh, short frame or a short slide pistol with a full grip. And it's it, it's so much easier to get it out. And then again, you know, if you do get in a, um, an issue where you have to shoot and you shoot or, you know, and then they grab the cylinder you don't have to worry about, or, you know, you clear them off. You don't have to worry about a tap rack bang. You can just start pressuring the trigger, go on to the next round. You know, you only have five or six rounds, but hopefully it's just one buddy and not two that decided to uh, assault you. And, um, you know, just like you said, it's a simpler manual arms as far as it goes. You know, you don't have to worry about tap rack or, you know, strip rock, you know, 
strip lock work and all that. If you have a malfunction, it's just press the trigger and go to the next round. So a lot of advantage, I think, especially for um, the entanglement, if you've got it and you can get to a good position to control the person and shoot. So, well, uh, how do you be a good time for me to go ahead and do a shout out to both Guy and uh, Cecil Birch, Craig Douglas, Paul Sharp, Cliff Byerly. And uh, part of that would be learning how to use a handgun or even an edged weapon uh, if you are entangled, because there's definitely a right way and a wrong way. And if you do it the wrong way, your gun may become our gun, may eventually become his gun. And uh, you have it taken away from you. So there's, there's, uh, how would you say, guy? There's some things that everybody needs to know. Man, I'd go out there and start, start go check out some of the videos that those guys have put out and what they're showing. And then, but next best thing would be after that would be to go take a class from either them uh, or someone that has trained under them that they would say, oh yeah, that's someone you can learn how to uh, perform some of this stuff with. Mm-hmm. Well, let's round it out to some final thoughts. Guy, what do you got? Ooh. Ooh. Like I said, I'm in, I'm in the twilight of my career, and I like a smaller gun. 365 sits me really, really good. Um, but whatever you decide to carry, get out, shoot, get some training. Uh, especially uh, if I uh, have to deal with a bad guy at this point, it's going to be because he wants something from me. And it's going to be in a zero to five foot range. So I'm a big proponent of getting some, uh, you know, training for the entangled fight and going from there. Uh, okay. Steve, what do you got? Uh, well, one of the things uh, that I think is also a benefit of a uh, smaller gun is a uh, magazine capacity. And uh, the reason I say that is that there are many states where a magazine that's capable of holding more than 10 rounds is not lawful. You don't want to be caught in some of those states. And uh, most of these small guns that we've referred to, uh, they run very, very well with 10-round magazines, whereas some of the larger guns, uh, it's harder to find a 10-round magazine for them. And in some instances, they're not as reliable. So one of the things that I always think about it is, I travel a lot more now than I, I used to. Uh, I have a couple of grandchildren in Arizona. I have another grandson uh, right now that's in Fort Bragg. Uh, so I do some traveling. I'm actually never quite sure where, what state I might end up in, you know, when I go through other states in the case we maybe have to stop or something like that. To that end, I make sure that I always have a firearm that carries with a magazine of 10 rounds or less or a revolver. And I think that's something that's a something that people need to give some thought to. Uh, the other thing is, is that one of the things about a lightweight gun that's a little bit smaller, but easy to carry is that those are the guns that tend to be carried more often than maybe a heavier gun where like, I really don't want to, I need to run to the convenience store and all I've got is this Glock 17 or a 19 or, you know, whatever large gun. Uh, I've got my T-shirt, my flip-flops, my shorts on. Uh, I'll just, uh, nothing's going to happen. Super, super easy to don that little gun. And more so, uh, like I said, I live out here on acreage. uh, 
there's possibility of uh, four-legged as well as two-legged predators out here. Uh, never know when I might run into one. And so I want to stay armed all the time. Well, I guess what? It's a lot, easier, a lot easier to stay armed when you've got a lightweight firearm on your person as opposed to something that's heavier. So I think that probably pretty much finished it. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to kind of talk about this subject. It's something that we've been trying to kind of push in some of our classes is that, you know, having a gun like this, whether it's your main gun or an alternate gun, uh, is probably a good idea, and you've given us an opportunity to go ahead and uh, set out some of those reasons we think so and appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. All right, thanks, Guy, Steve. Appreciate you guys coming on today. A reminder, check out today's title sponsor, Manisex. As always, the links are in the show notes. And you can check out our honorary sponsor, Palisade Training Group and EDC Belt Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. The Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.